enjoyed or are enjoying the best bits of 2021 good day y'all podcast and there's more this is a another part of it that's right it, it, i wonder if there's a whole section of dad jokes yeah probably or making fun of me jokes no no it's not all about <laughs> I'm, I'm making so fun of you self-conscious now <laughs> you are the least self-conscious person i know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah you're I need not help. phil i need help <laughs> oh, I wonder if yeah. we're going to get a special little thing where we can hear Jeanette laugh in the background. Hmm. We need to try this year to get her on again. Okay. Well, yeah. she does want to be on. Well, but a lot yeah. of people don't want to do stuff yeah. and then they end up doing it. Yeah. A little bit of bribery. Okay. So we're uh, we're going to be back on January the 26th on Wednesday. Yes. We so don't know what we're talking about. We no. still don't know after all this time. <laughs> I don't know why, but well, it'll be about a, food, about something about America, uh, we'll about think us. About it. We don't know. Yeah. No. And about you. A little bit me and a little bit you. Kind of. So put that in your calendars or if you've subscribed to us, it'll just pop up. Yep. Now, here's a continuation of the best bits of 2021. Now, today's show. Regional teas. Yes. And traditions. So I think the first thing we'll start with is sweet tea. Or, as it's called, the table wine of the South. <laughs> so that's like regular tea I see that normal people have, just with more sugar. I have to say, years ago, I did go out with a boy that mm. had a Southern mother, and she used to make the tea. Yeah. She'd have a big pitcher, and I used to watch her make it, and it was like two and a half cups of sugar in it. Wow. <laughs> I know. And it was, and then you'd hear it. She'd go, you keep stirring until you can't hear it and crunching anymore. they use that Dixie sugar, too. Oh, it's yeah. bad. So let me just give you an idea. So Southern Sweet Tea, I saw this grandmother who was burling her water. Yeah. Sounded like my grandma. Um, so it was six cups of water, two cups of sugar, and you just let it, let it burl. Well, boil. Well, she didn't say it that way, but burl. yes. Yeah. And then you put six tea bags, and you, then you turn it off and let it sit there for like 12 hours. But then I come from the hippie coast or the west coast. And we've got our sun tea. Well, they had to do that there because they have to put it into a big jar, put the little sun tea bags in it, yep. and then experience it. <laughs> and just watch it. How many people Meditate does it take it. to make California <laughs> sun tea? <laughs> One to make it and 12 to experience it. <laughs> That's right. Right. And then we've got Long, da, 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 Long, Long Island, Island iced tea. tea. You know, when I went to Long Island for that wedding out in Montauk. Yeah. I didn't have any iced tea out there. <gasps> Not Long Island iced tea, anyway. It's all this clear alcohol, and then you just float Coke over the top to give yeah. it the color of iced, iced tea. tea. And it comes it. in like an iced tea glass, and it looks like iced tea. And then you just try to stand up after mm. you have it. It's something we sell a lot of people want a lot of. Snapple. Snapple. Now, but, I remember when Snapple first came out. Yep. And the biggest one on the radio, so the biggest promoter on the radio was uh, – the New York uh, shock jock. Oh, Howard Stern? Howard Stern. He was the biggest promoter of it just because he loved it. Oh, well, that's- Not even- And then they started advertising on it on his show. But that's the best promotion you can have yeah. is someone loves it. Mm. But yes, Howard. Howard Stern. Howard. Yeah. Somebody says he wears a wig. He's really bald. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I just haven't seen it. I'd like to see him without his glasses on. <laughs> Does he have eyeballs? Uh, so, yeah, it was founded in 72, and it's all New York-based, um, and it's been in so many shows, and I think that's part of the love of people it, wanting it from us. Yeah, it's a pop culture type thing. Like, it's like Apple. You that's know. right. And uh, Elaine, Jerry, would offer yeah. Elaine a Snapple, and she's like, nah, because why not? You have to shake it. Because <laughs> what's so hard with shaking it? Or uh, his neighbor, or the... The pack, the guy that owned the uh, Pakistani restaurant, he offered it to him as well, and he goes, "No, too fruity." The fruity, yes. <laughs> <laughs> with the finger, yeah, that finger, yeah, that long extended finger. <laughs> so, they, uh, it was funny because they made it carbonated apple juice as they were moving from juices, right? Yeah. And one of the batches fermented in the bottle and blew all the lids off. So that's how it 
Snapple. Snapple. Snappy apple. Snappy apple. Snapple. Not be confused with uh, Boone's Farm apple wine. No. It's also. No, that's like, what's that here? That is uh, the ginger, Stone's ginger wine? Green ginger? Yes, that's it. I'm getting annoyed. The other thing is with Snapple, why it always had that real different taste than all the other iced teas is the main reason it was always packed in glass. Yes. Because it was packed hot. I did not know ah, that. And so, therefore, it still kept a fresh brewed taste because it was packed hot. You can't do that into plastic. But now they're selling a Snapple of plastic. I don't know how they're getting around it. But they still have glass. And a lot of times yeah. we, we just we just order it and we get what we get. So, sometimes we're getting plastic. Prohibition stopped the booze going into the iced tea. Yeah. And uh, by the time it was over, people were used to drinking it plain. Yeah. Boston Tea Party. Yeah. I did stay awake during history class. We'll only cover this quickly. Um, so this basically could be called why uh, we drink more coffee than tea in the U.S. So, and six- Well, because the Brits wanted to overtax it. You know? That's right. They did it twice. So they did it once and we went get stuffed and started smuggling it because, yep. you know, American ingenuity. And then the British sort of made a deal with a tea company, which made a monopoly, which made it cheaper than the smuggled tea. But the U.S. still saw, you're still taxing us on it. We don't want to give you any money. The old thing, taxation without any representation. That's right. So that led to the Tea Party where uh, a bunch of protesters, but they were a little bit cheeky because they dressed like Native Americans rather than (laughs) themselves. Sort of like the early version of a balaclava maybe. I don't know. And they got out and they dumped all the tea. Overboard. Overboard. And then after that, there were boycotts of more tea, and that increased the consumption of other beverages such as coffee and herbal teas, and drinking tea was seen being as unpatriotic, which, yeah, so there we go. So that's why we're a patriotic bunch, and that helped start the revolution. And Juan Valdez. (laughs) (laughs) And then shot heard around the world, started the revolution. Okay, Barbara, are you ready for the questions? This is the listener show that everybody's been waiting for. Yes, and I am happy to answer questions because I do that a lot. Can you get Velveeta? And the second one is, can you get White Castle's frozen burgers? I wish. I know. We got those. I don't Uh, know if they'd last to sell. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, we got to check this batch. So the problem with Velveeta, it's a dairy product. And because of quarantine issues, anything over 10% dairy, and even though it's pasteurized, it doesn't come refrigerated, and it's probably processed and cooked. We yeah. can't prove that to the government and get what we need. We'll need a permit, yeah. and the same thing with the with anything with meat in it. Uh, we need a permit to bring it in. All right. So now, Linda. Yes. How do you request a product that is not on the website? You can answer that one. Well, when you are on our website, if you scroll straight down to the bottom, there's a little section called um, product request. Right, customer product request. You mm. click it, comes up. There's a form, so fill that in. Give us as much information as you can, and we will have a look at it. See if our suppliers can get it, and if they can, and if it suits sort of what we're doing in our lines, we yeah. can try to get that. And we like trying new things. Now, reserving a product, we don't really do that. So if there is um, a product that's out of stock and you want to know about it when it comes back in, there's a subscribe link. So you click on that, fill in your information, and when it it is received into stock, yeah. you get an email and it lets you know. Yeah. And there's also, if it's a different size, yeah. so if you wanted the 18-ounce and the 12-ounce came in, you won't get notified for all of the things, just yeah. the size you pick. So I do recommend people click every size. Yes. So, you know, we might not get the big grape nuts. We only get the little ones and vice versa, and that way you'll get yes. something. At least you get something. That's exactly. right. Okay. Now, Jules wants to know, do we have gluten-free food? We actually have a lot of incidentally gluten-free. Yeah, like they say our M&Ms are gluten-free because they're made a different way than the ones here. That's right. So if you don't get the crunchy or the um, pretzel ones, Mm. because as Americans use corn flour to thicken things, not wheat flour, which they do here. Yeah. So that's why. a lot. And and there's a controversy also because some products we get in are oats, and they have the American celiac label on it. Yep. But it's not recognized here in Australia. So, yes. So we'll have to leave that one up to you. And a lot of our barbecue sauces are gluten-free as well. Yeah. 
So same same thing with um, using corn flour if anything needs to be uh, thickened. Yep. Now, how did Phil and Jeanette meet from Eileen? Why she want to know? Why not? She reads the Inquirer. Maybe she wants to know why Jeanette puts up with you with all the things you say as uh, her maybe, things go. Yeah. Well, we met on a blind date at the Crazy Country Club in Brooklyn. All right. Okay. So you could Google, there's a whole history of the Crazy Country Club, warm beer and lousy food. Okay. <laughs> that was the whole premise of it. Yep. Um, yeah. It's, it was like the first comedy club. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. And it was only down the block from uh, – as superstar, uh, where they did, you know, the thing for it, uh, John Travolta. Oh yeah, yeah, the nightclub. Yeah, it's on like on basically on the same block, like a block away, on the same same avenue. <laughs> so it was there. So that was that's where we met. Very nice. And how many years then? I don't know. Seventy <laughs> <laughs> something. I know. I don't potluck is a communal gathering where each guest contributes a different often homemade dish of food to share which is way popular back at home Mm -hmm. Uh, and and what you don't like is like when you do something like that and somebody brings something that's store brought what's the matter couldn't you do yeah couldn't you figure that out or at least fake it and put it on a new plate when they take like the costco cover off (laughs) that's a problem let's get to etiquette first of all Without being said, wash your damn hands and don't cut things up in the bathroom. (laughs) Bathroom is not a place for food preparation. Yeah. Okay. Potluck etiquette. Bring a dish. So when you bring your dish, Mm -hmm. you don't want to have to do the, you just, it's ready to go. You don't have to. Yeah. You unwrap it. And that's it. It's all prepared. It looks nice. That's right. Might have shifted a bit in the car. Bring everything you need to serve it. So if it takes tongs or a spoon, bring that too. Um, for the guy that works in the parts department, condiments do not count as a dish. So you can't bring <laughs> a mustard and put it down and go, I brought my thing for the, for that. Avoid the triple S. Stinky, spicy, and strange. Yes. You want to eat. <laughs> well, spicy. A lot of people like spicy. No. Well, I think, yes. No. If this is the Midwestern group, maybe not. Yeah. Depending but on what you're not overly found. spicy. That's right. Or, or maybe put a little... Seasoning or hot sauce next to it to add it. But you don't want to be the person when they go, do you know what Phil brought? What's yeah. that? And do not loudly proclaim that a dish is, uh, has, uh, someone has brought is not quite up to par. Look, there was a story that we didn't get to that I'm going to have to read to you. Um, there was a lady who did potlucks for a church. She was extremely well-known as, you know, she's the elderly lady that has been cooking for years. So one lady in the church decided to go help her because it was going to be a big event, right? So I'm quoting the uh, person now. So she is going to make this dish that needs uh, strawberries to to do it. So off we go to the kitchen. She grabs a round flour sifter strainer. And about 10 pounds, so five kilos about, of frozen strawberries. Then we head to the bathroom. <laughs> she scrubbed that bad boy. I'm thinking, I'm hoping that's the toilet. Tosses the strainer in. Now, both Brendan and Phil are going, well, they have more water in the toilets at home. That is far from the point of the story. Yeah. But so she's putting it in the toilet bowl and then throws all 10 pounds of red goop in, followed by a solid... This is important if you're going to clean your strawberries in the toilet. Ten flushes and a soak. <laughs> Apparently, that's how you defrost them and clean them really quickly. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Make sure you don't have one of those little tablets floating around in the reservoir there, the little blue thing. Yeah, no blue. And it works for all food if you really want to keep it sanitary. Yeah. Remember so, that commercial that they used to have the guy on the, in the little gondola? <laughs> in the <laughs> toilet yeah, that's right. Toilet bowl. I do. How do we forget that? For the commercials. Um, so the person involved is like said, I snitched to the pastor when I saw her passing out plates of her famous toilet greens. <laughs> they thought I was lying and continued to indulge her in her bathroom delicacies. Yeah. Southern cooking. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, There's nothing bad about southern cooking. Southern food is 
too complex and very to um, go to an original origin story. While the influences are many, there are major cultures to consider Native American, West African, and European. And different ingredients define the, uh, define the southern states more than any other part of the country. So I love when our podcasts carry on. I love when they like shake hands with each other. Native American, that's right, Native American. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the, the soup, the three sisters, tomato squash and hominy. Yep. So tomato squash, corn, hominy, and grits, and deep pit barbecuing are borrowings from indigenous people of, um, of the region. So Cherokee, Cato, Choctaw, and Seminole. Now, so, now they all own the casinos. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's right. So you can go to the buffet and have a yeah. free drink at the slots. Um, European, so you've got <laughs> Old World. So British and Irish European colonists introduced sugar, flour, milk, eggs, and some livestock. And you forgot if it's Irish, so you forgot the uh, whiskey. Whiskey, yes. yes. God bless them and some potatoes, I'm sure. But we'll get to them in a second. That's really big in Appalachia. Mm. So that's an interesting. And I was just thinking about now with the Irish also music, the fiddles. Yeah. See, they are the same. Uh. You know, that country music show that big, you know, like, like um, the baseball, what's his name that does the civil war and all those. Oh, Ken Burns. 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 They were talking about that. Uh. People came over with the fiddling and so West African as well. So enslaved West Africans introduced black eyed peas, okra, rice, eggplant, sesame, sour gum, melons, and various spices. And, you know, the food was brought over with the people. Cooking techniques. There we go. Baking. Now, you're the baker. I am the baker. Yeah. Give me a cobbler. Give me a pie. Mm. Give me some biscuits. Cornbread. Oh, my God. All those things are fantastic. So, And like things of cornbread in a pan or a skillet. There's all these things depending on whose house you're in. Do you want to do it like that or that? Do you want to have pancakes or do you want to have corn pun? I got you. Yep. Yeah, that sort and of Johnny thing. cakes. Johnny cakes. That's right. Back to that the was sp- about from the Sopranos. Sopranos. <laughs> Got him in trouble. His love of Johnny yeah. Cake. Um, but it's on the on the directions on a box of Jiffy too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It Been is there for years. Um, and a, so in cobbler, deep dish, fresh fruit hmm. with a biscuit type dough on the top. And I think that is mostly for desserts and things, but it just makes you feel damn good. <laughs> That's all it does. Baking desserts is made to be. Feel it good. is just yeah. It's having or breakfast like imagine a warm you know. But when you when you go out to dinner, well, yes. remember that those days. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and no matter what the dinner was, you always remember the dessert more so than yeah. You know, oh, we just spent sixty five dollars on your your entree, but you remember the twelve ninety five dessert. That's exactly right. And to give you a little secret. I actually look at the dessert menu first, and then realize, work backward. And work backwards. See, okay, well, I'm not going to eat that because I'm going to eat this. Dessert. That's exactly right. I've got to get my dessert stomach ready for that one yeah. after I do that. Now, smothered mm-hmm. is another cooking technique. That's such a great word for Isn't it? cooking. Smothered, Sm- yeah, yeah. smothered pork chops and smothered chicken. It's oh like, yeah, you, you think it's oh, this is going to be really good. Well, actually, after all the stuff I was reading the last week about different recipes, I got really hungry for smothered pork chops. I thought that I might just bust that out. So um, it's really, it's braising in a covered skillet is what it is. So, and it's usually with, you know, a nice sauce or a gravy over the top. So so smothering is easy as searing a piece of meat on both sides on a hot skillet, then pouring some broth or water over the meat, covering it and letting it simmer till it becomes tender. And uh, it's slow cooking. That that is it. So it just falls falls away. And so some of the uh, things you can smother, like you said, with pork chops and chicken, is cabbage, cabbage, okra, corn, tomatoes, pork chops, or crawfish étouffée. Are some of examples of that as well. Mm. Well, I think étouffée means to smother. Yeah, I think it does too, That's from what I remember. Um, and frying is. Would have to be one of my all time favorite to consume. I'm not. I don't fry a like lot. Turkeys. Yeah. What is? What happens when you do that? You could have the fire fryer. <laughs> fire fryer. That's it. Uh, then you have to smother it out with yeah. some gravy. Um, but frying, as we talked about, chicken, mm. okra is amazing. Yeah, deep fried. Uh, okra uh, goes so many different ways because you also could have it as pickled. Yes, and it's so good pickled yeah. as well. Well, pickled and then fry it. It's like fried pickles. Ooh, ooh I haven't mm. done that before. I'm sure somebody does it. I'm sure there's restaurants that- There has uh, to be. Yeah. If not here, somewhere else. Now, here is a little bit of controversy as well. Oh. 
because frying, like fried chicken and things, so two influences. So this one area of Scotland, so not, you know, just this one small area, they would fry their chicken. Everyone else would, you know, braise it or bake it, right? right? So those are the people that came to Appalachia. So there's fried chicken there and also from West Africa. So they fried as well. So Where did they get the Mazzola oil from? (laughs) It's corn oil, so it has to be like the middle of the country somewhere. Yeah, but like in Africa, what oil did they use? Probably palm oil. Palm oil? Yeah, that's right. Maybe peanut oil. I don't know. But so that's an interesting thing. So you can just say it came from here, but now actually our, this area yeah. contributed to it as well. Mm-hmm. Popcorn. Yeah, the most famous style of them all. <laughs> Jiffy, Jiffy Pop. Pop. Yeah. yeah, because it was like, it was great. It was a toy, like a toy that made yeah. something to eat. So it was a little. So Put the fire on, burn yourself. Yeah. So let's explain it. It's like a pipe, like a. It's a, a pie lim- shell. Limited pie plate. Yeah. And then it's got popcorn and oil mm-hmm. in it. And has a handle on and, it. But the handle's like a hanger, like made out of a hanger. Yeah, like, so it gets hot with gets the bottom. Gets hot with it. <laughs> and then you shake it over the top. And on top of that, it's got foil that's, that's you know, sort of swirled because mm. it expands. And it ends up being like this big mm. ball yep. as you go. And you hear it popping and it's popping and it grows. My mom had hair as high as that at one point. <laughs> it was, that was a chiffy pop hairdo. <laughs> And so as you did it, then after you burnt your hands. Like Marge Simpson. (laughs) You ripped the top open and burned your fingers because all the steam would come out. And then you had fantastic popcorn. Popcorn. Mm. Then we came into the 1970s. And we had the microwave. flare bottom pants and everything, you know. Yes, Mm. I do remember. Have you seen American Hustle yet? I don't think so. Oh, Phil. I've been telling him to watch this movie since episode one. Okay. I have. And so it takes place in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And this guy that sort of mobbed up brings a present. And it's a science oven. <laughs> science. The big giant oh, microwaves. The mi- one of the, the first microwaves. microwaves. The Amana, uh, what was it called? The, it was made by Amana. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. And, but I don't know the name of it. And she ends up starting a fire. Because mm. I don't care if it doesn't say, can't have me- if it says I can't have metal yeah. in it, I wanted to have metal in it. Well, you know how the microwave came about, right? NASA. No, no. And the guy went for Litton Industries. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, they were playing around with, well, it had to do with the military or NASA or whatever, because he was playing around with with radar. Yes. And with microwaves. So all of a sudden, he realized that his Hershey bar in his pocket was melting (laughs) and he wasn't even on heat. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. So, and that's how the radar range, that was the first one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's uh, so I want you that's to, how it came about. I want you to write down American Hustle because okay. I'm going to quiz you next week. Uh, keeping on the uh, theme of styles, we have popcorn grits. Yeah, the first time I saw this was on Australian MasterChef. Oh, really? And I was oh. watching it. I went, no way. Oh. Way. She made this. So what you do is you pop some popcorn mm-hmm. and you make it like you would with butter and salt, right? And then you soak it. In water? In water. Yeah. And then you kind of put it through a mill, like you push it through a sieve. Mm-hmm. And then it is grits. No, but grits are hard. Oh, like, oh, like, like cooked, cooked grits. grits. It's like cooked grits. Well, because grits are corn. That's it. But it's just like, it seems like a hard way to go about it. Yeah. But, you know, maybe that, should I give those recipes when we're out of grits for a while? Going, if you pop some popcorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, that and I found that really interesting. No that, true southerner would not cook. <laughs> no, that is an abomination, sir. Yeah, something more traditional. Cracker Jacks. Uh, yes. They even sing it in songs. They do baseball. Yeah, baseball and uh, g- give me some peanuts and cracker jacks. Right, and speaking of peanuts and cracker jacks, yes. those are always peanuts and, and that was to me as a kid that was the best yeah. part of the cracker jacks was the peanuts Absolutely. because they were like coated in whatever mm-hmm. they coated in. But there was like only three in a box. <laughs> yeah. Where are they? Louis Ruckheim came up with the first version of Cracker Jack, made from popcorn, penis, peanuts, allegedly, yeah. and molasses during the late 1800s. Anyway, so we'll move on to Caramel Corn. Yeah. So this guy comes back into this. Louis Rickenheim. Is that yep. the same guy from the- Yep. Oh, so he's back. He's back. And guess what else is back? The World Fair. The World Fair. Fair. <laughs> 
So that goes back to 1893, mm-hmm. uh, so where he started selling it uh, there at the Chicago World's Fair. I yep. think Chicago is like the hometown of popcorn in America. It is. It all comes out of Chicago. It is. And we've got another stall coming up with that. And mm-hmm. they have the largest amount of popcorn stores, I think, yeah. per capita as but well. But it says that the molasses was too sticky for customers to enjoy. The brothers returned and tweaked it up to uh, come up with a drier, crisper recipe. And therefore, how we came up with caramel corn. It is. And it's good. And you can, you know, when you walk into the mall mm. at home, you can smell the caramel corn. And then, you know, Poppycock. Mm-hmm. That. Um, so it's like candied popcorn. The original mixture consists of clusters of popcorns and popcorn, almond, and pecans covered in a glaze. Other um, combinations included cashews, chocolate, and pecans. All sounds really good. It was. And then the we saw it when Costco first opened here. Yeah. So we had to go into the city to Docklands and we saw Poppycock and mm. our family. I would meet Brendan because worked to up that end. So we'd go into Costco, he'd walk over, and we bought one of those big cans of poppycock. Yeah. And we ate the entire thing before we got home. <laughs> the four of us. And then we're also busting to get in the house because we uh decided to get the free refills because you know that was free <laughs> and everyone's like quick I'm getting in the door first. Why do we love chain restaurants? There's bang for your buck when it comes to the serving of uh, servings. Oh yeah you so whatever you have for lunch or dinner, you can often get a takeaway. And have it again. <laughs> and have it again the next yeah. day. So Cracker Barrel, which you've been to, mm. and that has the nice shop. I know a lot of people in the South, a lot of people that I follow and relatives and things, they will go there after church on a Sunday. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings, mm-hmm. uh, TGI Fridays, which is here. Now, TGI Fridays, now you, do you know that in New York, when mm-hmm. they first started, they had Tuesdays? You had Wednesdays and you also had Thursdays. No, I did not. Yeah. No, I think they're all gone now. But when they first started with Fridays, Friday was the first one. Then they decided to do other days. <laughs> one of my, you have Applebee's, you could mm-hmm. go on that. So Applebee's and you got the special, always have the, you know, special menus. And the same thing with Red Lobster. Yeah. Now, they always got these advertisements, all the shrimp you can eat for only nine ninety five, and it looks so good. And you get there, where are these? You things? took that photo. Yeah. Well, you get all the pieces of material. Like you can have this, this you know, all your different menus. Here's your specials. Here's yeah. the dessert specials and the Wednesday night special. And yeah. then it's, you know. The yep. other ones like, you know, that I think of like in California, yes. and I think this one's outside of California now. So Lucille's. That's, okay. I've read that. That's a place I, I go to. Whenever we're in California, I think they're in, uh, yeah, they are in, in Vegas also, mm-hmm. outside of the Strip. Uh, so Lucille's is barbecue. Oh, nice. Okay. And great food, great portions, good service. Yeah, consistent. Consistently yeah. good. And the other one is Gem. Okay. It's G G E N Gem. And that is a franchise that have expanded. I don't know if it's a franchise. It might all be company-owned stores, but there are yeah. lots of them around. And that's Korean food, Korean oh, barbecue. Yeah. And they have a set price. So if you go for lunch at the time, it was 20 bucks yep. per person. All you can eat. P.F. Chang's, which mm. is um, doing really well. And it's actually quite good. They have, for people that are celiac, because we have friends that have uh, mm. a celiac daughter, they have a really good gluten-free menu. Oh. So if you're going to the States and you need to look for mm. that, that's a good place. Mackenzie spent her 13th birthday there. Miserable with oh. us because we made her drive seven hours. <laughs> and then she gets there and, the, and then we got to the waitress, like a good old American chain restaurant waitress. She's lovely. And we said, oh, you know, it's her birthday. And Kenzie's sitting there going, I've had the worst day of my life. They made me drive seven <laughs> hours from Los Angeles to Monterey. And she goes, I know what that's like. And so Kenzie got free cake and yeah. drinks and everything. Looked right. after her. Now, we are talking about food happy accidents. Um, So one of them is uh, Toll House cookies. So Mm -hmm. chocolate chip cookies. Ruth Wakefield in the 30s put chocolate in her chocolate cookies, but instead of melting the chocolate first, the thinking was they would melt Melt. when she did it. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> no. How old was that chocolate? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. that's her, well. You know, we we did talk about that ages ago, and she got ripped off because I think for selling her Toll House cookie recipe, she got just free chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it was. So a lot of things that we enjoy are sort of accidental inventions. Mm-hmm. It's now, a mistake. It is. I, I didn't mean to do it. 
Right. So let's start with the. This is a sweet story. The popsicle. That was a mistake. It was a happy mistake. Okay, so this makes sense because some little kid left his cup of soda with his stirring stick out in the cold, like left it out the front. You know when kids drop their balls and bikes, Mm -hmm. everything just inside, didn't care. And then the next morning, it was frozen. And the popsicle was born. And that's it. And they called it, Frank Frank Epperson invented it, and he called it the epicycle Mm -hmm. because it was like an icicle, but later made it for his own kids and called it Pops Sickle. Ah. So why is it called Nice Block here? That's what I'd like to know. So, and then we got the legendary Buffalo Wings. And I think everybody knows that story from the Ankle Bar in Buffalo, New York. That's right. And it had nothing to do with Frank's, but only thing, it was just sitting around, so they used the hot sauce. And that's how it became. That's yeah, Just something to keep the people happy. Just a little simple thing. Well, you have another thing with hot sauce. Tell us about well, the other one, the legendary one, is 3 a.m., which is Blair's, right? Yes. And that's like the little bitty bottle, but really super concentrated. It's an additive. Yeah, like, it's an additive. It, yeah. yeah, they tell us an additive. So the owner of a bar uh, that concocted this together couldn't get the people out of the bar. So then he did like a challenge. Okay, like, uh, yeah, try some of this. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and that's how 3 a.m. came about because at 3 a.m. he started feeding them because he wanted to get out by four, and uh, they left. <laughs> Did some crying some yeah. past the emergency room, possibly yeah. on the way home. So I'll read this out because this is gross. Central Asian herdsmen stored milk in containers made out of animal stomachs. Yum! Tripe. <laughs> <laughs> to preserve it while on the go. They noticed some of the milk became thick and tart due to the process of good bacteria. Yummy. Okay, two questions. Who was the idiot that said, I'll just taste that? Yeah. <laughs> and the second thing, how Who did figured- they know it was good bacteria? Exactly. It's coming out of a sow's coming. To- oh, <laughs> All right, then we got coffee. I like this coffee one. Yeah, tell me. So coffee, uh, legend has it, the first uh, coffee was because of the magical effects of coffee was on a goat. Oh, you want a hyper goat? That's so exactly one what day, you want. many, many years ago, mm-hmm. Chaldee, an Ethiopian goatier, it's a goatier or goat goat herder. I think it should goat be herder. But yeah, he's a go-to guy. How's he that? Is. He is. Uh, Chaldee, the go-to guy. <laughs> so he's he was watching his goats out in the field and he noticed that they were cheerful. And then how could you tell his goats cheerful and then? And we've seen that white goats and. You know, they always like Until yeah. they bite you. Yeah, well, that <laughs> just keeps them happy. That's right. Uh, so he followed them around, and it turns out the goats were eating beans and leaves from a particular tree. Right. So he was curious enough, son, and he said, I'll try giving that some myself. So he gave some to a monk. So they were having trouble. Yes. Staying and- awake at Anthony Press, and uh, this took care of that. I'm sure so there's they- zing. But who thought about roasting it, grounding it, and putting it? I know. These are the things. Hmm. Like, uh, really. Well, I that was the beginning of, oh, this is something good to eat. That's right. Yeah. Blue cheese. This is my grandfather as well. Legend has it. Blue cheese was invented by an accident when a drunken cheesemaker left behind a half-eaten, there's a theme here, yeah. a half-eaten eaten loaf of bread in a cheese cave. Upon returning, he discovered the moldy bread had transferred to the cheese, turning it blue. Why did he eat it? Uh, these days, it's made under more controlled circumstances with specific bacteria. I adore blue cheese, yeah. and I can remember my grandfather. Another that, good thing that came out of alcohol. God bless it. Yes. God bless the drunks. <laughs> and I, my grandpa put a big, the same grandpa with the gin and tonic, a big bit of blue cheese on a cracker, and he's like, get that into your sook. <laughs> and then we got eaten mess. Eaten mess. Do you know this one? No. I love no. this dessert. Well, I, I don't know. maybe I had it, but I didn't know what it was. Well, called. you know what it is. You know it, Phil. You'll love this. Think of Jamie. Think of Gordon. Yeah. You know when they go, it's rustic. So this is a deconstructed pav. So oh. someone basically dropped the meringue in the kitchen. Yeah. So they mixed broken meringue and the strawberries and cream all together instead of wasting food and mm-hmm. served it and gave it the name eaten mess. So, so it's deconstructed. Picked, so he picked it up off the floor. Probably, yeah. yeah. Well, you know. As no. to quote, God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. So nachos was a mistake too? Yeah. Oh. Well, let's look. There was, it was accidentally invented by a maitre d' named Ignacio Nacho. And Yana, he, uh, the, the Victory Club in Mexico. 
Mm-hmm. So 10 hungry U.S. military wives uh, crossed the border and were able to locate the chef. He improv- were, They weren't able to get the chef. So the maitre d' improvised by covering a plate of chips with grated cheese. He melted it under a broiler, topped it with a sli- with sliced jalapenos, and served it as an appetizer. There you go. Still works today. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It fixes the nachos. it. The nachos. Na- the, yeah, it is. The nachos. And let's go for the nachos. jalapenos, <laughs> tortillas. Halloween. I love Halloween. Do you I, love Halloween? Uh, it's okay. I know Jeanette <laughs> loves Halloween because we've been yeah, messaging she, she, each other yeah, with different ideas. It. So Halloween activities. So these all have um, their roots in mm-hmm. these origins. So Halloween activities include trick or treating, or there was before that in some areas of the UK it was called guising or souling. Um, attending Halloween costume parties, carving pumpkins into jack-o'-lanterns, lighting bonfires, apple bobbing, divination games, playing pranks, visiting haunted attractions, telling scary stories, as well as watching horror films. We watched the original Halloween last night. And it was very – Brenda didn't like it. still scared the bejesus out of me. (laughs) So um, in many parts of the world, um, Christian religious – well, we have yeah, All Hallows, All Hallows Eve, so yeah. the, and that's All Saints Day is the next day. Yeah. So, all these things that religion has um, kind of picked up pagan dates, mm-hmm. and so um, I think it's Sahame is what the Celts called it, um, which was a harvest festival, basically. Yeah, and the Mexicans—that's how they did all the things. When you look at all the artifacts that are just the skulls and I've all that. I've got some over there. Yeah, Dia de la Muerte, yeah, Day of the Dead, Day of the Dead. I've finally sounds said like there. a movie. Well. It probably wasn't. <laughs> so now I was reading up on this and I quite like souling um, the story of it because you get a cake. You make special soul souling cakes. Souling cakes. So it's like a shortbread. Mm-hmm. But what you do is traditionally um, you'd get a hollowed out. So this is in um, the UK. So you get a hollowed out turnip or potato. Yeah. Well, pumpkins didn't grow well there, so you got to no. have some, right? And and it's a little lantern, and they look scary as all hell. And you dressed in a white cape, and you knocked on doors, and for a soul cake, you would um, sing and pray for the souls of the people in the house. Wow. So that's how that all started. Mm. Um, and the masquerading came about to imitate the uh, saints and the, and the spirits. That's right, because – it goes from sort of doing a good deed and praying for you for the people who have given you food mm-hmm. to scaring off the evil spirits because tradition has it that night of Halloween is um, when the veil is thinnest. So that's why often people go to um, they reserve uh, sorry observe All Hallows Eve and they end up at the graves of their dead. So remaining. Um, Remaining that we're there all night having a little party, and that's like Dia de la Morte. And it didn't start in America till like the um, in the nineteenth century when all the Irish and Scottish immigrants, you know, became a major yeah you know, holiday in America because of uh, yeah again the Celtic roots. Yeah, and that was their traditions. Mm-hmm. But I found it funny when I was reading it because the Puritans in Massachusetts up that area, there's no Halloween because there was no fun. In the nineteen eighteen eighteen pandemic, now you got to think it's sort of a different era. The Kids were a little bit more naughty. Mm-hmm. The adults sort of had different sort of like different parties for Halloween. So this is actually some of the things from um, the newspapers back then. So witches must beware, declared the Baltimore American October 31st, 1918. The Maryland City Health Commissioner had placed a ban on public Halloween events, instructing the police chief to v- prevent people from holding carnivals and other forms of public celebration. So as they were in the midst of the second and most deadly wave of the flu pandemic, Spanish flu, and that meant they had to curtail the usual Halloween revelry. During the pandemic, cities um, discouraged traditions to reduce transmission of the virus, sounding all very familiar. Mm-hmm. Respectful of those, uh, actually, this is a different take that we haven't taken. So respectful of those that might be sick or or have lost loved ones. So don't be an idiot in the street pounding a drum because people might not be well inside. And they also told kids, do not, told parents to tell their kids not to do the pranks at the, or be loud and rowdy. Um 
But I think at the bottom, I'm just going to jump to this because yeah. influenza bans seemed um, seemingly did not blight young America's observance. In St. Louis, the Post-Dispatch reported, the police reported the usual number of streetlights extinguished and the usual number of bread boxes overturned. Wow. Those hoodlums. <laughs> and they also, we even have a flu, a mask issue. You know how we have, you know, put your mask on, don't wear yeah. your mask, right, all that so in Spokane, Washington, police were supposed to take away Halloween masks if they saw people out wearing them while wearing cloth flu prevention masks. They were encouraged or mandated in some states. But the problem with the Halloween mask is that people would share them. So they were going uh, to be spreading it. So there you go. It's uh, what's old is new again. Yes. God, I was, <laughs> I'm watching you. I was ready to jump in you. there before I was told. <laughs> now, we're not going to do your condominium joke today. No, no, the, okay. The lucky one. Yeah, we're no. not talking about that. Oh god! And there's no jokes like that. I'm not like going to invest I found by accident. Oh, the presidential fact. Presidential fact is back, and uh, TJ, the great man, mm-hmm. uh, blue cheese has been in America since at least the Revolution, uh, where that well-noted Francophile Thomas Jefferson. What's a Francophile? Person that loves France. Loves France. France, yes. Okay. So, so then why isn't a pedophile a person that loves feet? <laughs> Ped, France. I, I am confused. I'm ignoring this. <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was very good. Betty, you are shocking. Sorry. You're not sorry at all. That's the thing. You're not sorry. No, I'm just like straight in the back. Um, yeah. Right. So is it ketchup or catsup? <laughs> well, the answer is yes. Uh, back when Henry John Hines um, debuted the condiment for sale in 1876, his Pittsburgh-founded company called it catsup, which is what my grandmother used to call it. Um, they're the same thing. The, the condiment didn't originally feature tomatoes. Thus, the, the distinction um, tomato ketchup isn't uh, actually isn't redundant. Heinz first introduced its tomato-based ketchup in 1876, and um, a tomato didn't make it onto the packaging until 2009. What was there before? A pickle. A pickle. Pickles were the centerpiece of Heinz's branding from the 1800s, as we saw with the little pickle pins. Yeah. Yes, from the World World Fairs. And the World Street. We did get some specific things um, that we carry, and we had at the shop, because not just for talking about what we have in the shop, but I like having things in my hand and looking at it makes yeah. me remember it. So one of them is the Heinz chili sauce, which we had talked about. So we yeah. are, that's coming back. We added that we have the cocktail sauce. The yeah, kind same of, jar. Same. Well, it's like the same bottle. It's and just, it looks the same. It looks the same, but it's different. And we have a customer mm. um, for her grandchildren. Every time we get chili sauce, she comes in and gets like six bottles of it because mm. her grandchildren adore it. So it's more of a tomatoey. Based chili sauce, then it's not like a sweet chili. Now we have this brand, um, Cully's. Mm-hmm. Now I actually the pickle nays, which I'm going to talk about, and the uh, burger sauce. The pickle nays is actually in my fridge right now because I had to open it because it was so good. Mm-hmm. And, and the burger uh, sauce looks like a French on. dressing. I'm going to take a break for a second. You talk, and I'll okay. get the other one. Yeah, and uh, so we got the burger sauce and the pickle sauce, and also I did order the Duke's. Pickle sauce. It's almost mm. like a tartar sauce. Yeah, it smells like a tartar sauce. But it's very dilly. Okay, so, so that, yeah, you can so see the dill. Yeah, it. you can actually see the dill, which I was really impressed with. Wow. And it's a, a dill, and it's vegan. So both of those are vegan. Yeah, great on fish. Would mm. be. Great it on was, liverwurst, yeah. But it, then it's not vegan anymore. Well, but it started vegan. <laughs> That's all right. You don't have to be responsible. I'm going to be putting it on some non-vegan items. So there's no egg in there? No. Wow. So and it is so good, like and the staff, like Kaylee yeah. and Anna, adore it. Like mm-hmm. that is their favorite condiment. So that is um, something worth checking out. Um, also, we've brought in. We've talked a little bit about um, the yellow mustard. Yeah. Now um, it's a very mild prepared mustard, and it's yeah, it has turmeric as we talked before, which gives mm-hmm. it its color. It was supposedly introduced in 1904 by George French as a cream salad mustard. Um, it's regularly used on hot dogs, sandwiches, pretzels. I love it on pretzels. Mm-hmm. 
and they don't they forgot and corn knishes. dogs, knishes, corn dogs, hamburgers. It's also an ingredient of many potato salads, barbecue sauces, and salad dressings. Yep. Like when I make uh, the baked beans, so yes. I get like the vegetarian baked beans, and I put a can of Coke or Dr Pepper in it. Yes, and then uh, one of the ingredients is ketchup, and then also mustard goes into that. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is in there. Maybe brown sugar or something. But anyway, you mix it all together. It's really wet. Yeah. But then you put it in the oven for about an hour and a half at a, at a decent time, like 180. Yeah. And then it just like all dries down. You had it. I put yeah. It oh, it's so and good. And it gets like really gooey and everything. And it's just Well, beautiful. it's magic. Yeah. That's a Kansas City recipe. Mr. Hines saw this sign and it was like 27 different types of shoes the shoe company made. Right. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, a number is good to have. That sounds like people- People want to use that. So he, um, his favorite, his lucky number was five, and his wife was seven. His wife's favorite number was seven. So that's how they came up with Heinz fifty seven sauce, which is a steak sauce. Yeah, yeah. it was a marketing. Oh. Yeah, well, he was a good marketer, and he was also good at sinking ships. We talked about that before. We usually had A one instead of it at our house, but we did rotate with A1 that quite was a bit. Expensive. Never could afford A one at my house. Oh, well, we I had salt and pepper as our condiments in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now huh. let's go on to uh, our favorite miracle. We talk so much about miracle work. People will- Well, it was also from the World's Fair. Yeah. Chicago World's Fair in 1933 as a dressing rather than mayonnaise. Although yeah. it looks like mayo, but it's not. No, that's true. Because the FDA, who was also brought about because of Heinz. Right. Because they proved to the FDA of all this bogus food. Yes, that's, that's right. Came about. We talked about that before. So- um, Anything that's considered mayonnaise has to be 65% vegetable oil by weight. Hmm. Right. So, and Miracle Whip is not. So that's why it can't be called mayonnaise. Now we'll move on to, oh, um, beaver cream horseradish, which I love. I love creamed horseradish. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a Jamie Oliver recipe where he does a roast beef. Oh, using we, that, yeah. You make a crust of herbs and things, but when you serve it, you Put yes. a whole bunch of horseradish on the bottom well, of the plate. I like the Arby's horsey. Yes, I know you do. And I convert that a little bit because if you do that with equal parts of mayonnaise, it's very similar <gasps> oh. to uh, the Arby's. Okay. Well, there is a good trick with that and a little bit of history again. 1929, Rose Biggie uh, began Beaverton Foods by bottling horseradish in the cellar of her farmhouse to help her family endure the Great Depression. Mm. Horseradish is versatile and can be used for meat and vegetable dishes. Fresh, fresh horseradish or creamy horseradishes, uh, radish, and they, and they don't even mention even fish. Yeah, and um, deviled eggs, even, and de- just and you know, I love horseradish in mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah, it's a nice kick in that as well. <laughs> then we got the ranch, which is America's favorite salad dressing, which we have now confirmed. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we you don't have a, uh, a little history about Worcestershire sauce. Yes, please tell me. Uh, on one of the food networks, they had they went into the factory of Liam Perrins. Right. Of how they make it. You know, they basically get like the red onions and all that, and then they ferment them. Oh. You know, and then they throw the, like the anchovies in it and yeah, stuff it's all like the good that. Stuff. So it's, it's a really, it's a long process to make, and it's all fermented, a lot of it. A lot of the products that go into it, then they combine it all together and strain it and whatever else they do. Do you think still put it in the paper? Like, you know, almost nah, like a bitters maybe, bottle? Uh, maybe the Americans do, but you don't get oh, it here nah, that way. Nah, but I can't make my stew. That's my secret ingredient when yeah. I make stew is Worcestershire yeah, sauce. And I like it in my uh, beef and barley soup. Oh, yeah. It just, it lifts. It just lifts it. Yeah. yeah. And that is the beauty with most of these condiments. It's like it lifts the flavor, which yep. is great. Okay, we're back. We are. And this is, I think, going to be another part of East versus West. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so there seem to be, we're going to talk about some top brands, and there seem to be four key players. Um, so there's Drake's. Famous for its Seinfeld-approved coffee cakes. Love the Drake. I've never had a Drake's cake. Love the Drake. Uh, I would love to. <laughs> Hostess, I think they're all over. Home to the iconic Twinkie and Signature Cupcakes, yep. which we just told Brendan you have to eat the little white squiggle off the cupcake first. Uh, Tasty Cake, which I have never seen. The pictures look good. That's yeah. Philadelphia, well, isn't it's it? It's Philadelphia. Yeah, we used to get it like you never seen it in New York, but we used to get all the ads for it. Oh. Don't ask me why, because I guess because the You're New not- York was part of that. Yeah, I mean, went out to Jersey and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. They were close enough to Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Little Debbie's. Um, so perhaps the and most- that, that should be a West Coast brand. 
But it's in the it's a, from the South. Really? Yep. Mm. Perhaps the most original of the bunch, which has unique treats like oatmeal cream pies, which are very good, yep. cosmic brownies, and zebra cakes. Maybe because I think of it being the West Coast, like because of cosmic brownies. <laughs> I always say hate Ashbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, Berkeley brownies. No, we didn't have those. And the first little Debbie's I had was working at USA Foods, and it was when we had Christmas tree cakes. Oh. They were very good. And we got the zebra cakes, or is that zebra? It's in our store at Zebra. It's a safe place. Remember here? That's right. That's yes. right. It's a That's safe right. place. So we us. don't have to listen to ZZ Top anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or ANZ. So now we get a little bit more upscale. Esquire Magazine. Okay. So their top five <laughs> greatest snack cakes of all time. Mm-hmm. From number five, never heard of. Chocolate Juniors. Never heard of that either. Must be. Must be fancy. Must have been uh, the author's favorite cake that he lives in Spokane, <laughs> Illinois or somewhere. <laughs> Number four, zebra cakes. That's right. That's Kaylee's favorite. I yeah. don't know them. Number three is Twinkies. Mm-hmm. Number two on the – so here we have the both names. Yes. So Yodels was the – yeah, but Yodels was the Drake's. Yes. And Ho-Ho's is the hostess. And number one, my yes. favorite, the Ring Ding. Or the Ding Dong. Ding Dongs. Yeah, so at least they have some sense over there. <laughs> Yeah. But growing up also, yeah, one of my – and we got here. Oh, yeah. And it took my memory a little bit to remember what the original name was or what we had. Yeah. So we had moon pies. And moon pies are – they also call them Chattanooga cakes. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Chattanooga. So Tennessee. These are all from the Chattanooga Bakery. And, uh, and they come in different flavors. Vanilla, chocolate, banana. Yeah. I just had a flashback. Flashback. Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Laverne always wanted a moon pie. A moon she pie. had moon pies. Oh, she didn't have it. See, we had. Chattanooga? No, scooter pies. Oh, no, she said scooter pies. I wrong. I lied. Yeah, I could pie. say because she was supposed to. Well, she grew up in New York originally. <laughs> so scooter pies were the thing of the day. Okay. So that makes so, sense. And you now. think about scooter pies. How did they get the name? Well, it looks like maybe like a wheel and on yeah, a that's scooter. True. Like a wagon wheelie thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've got that. There you go. So we got that settled. (laughs) That's it. I actually used to purchase Esquire magazine when they had uh, John Kennedy Jr. in it because I cut the picture out and put it in my locker way back then. All right, Elaine. (laughs) (laughs) I know, that episode. Okay, so we'll be back. When? When? We don't know. January 26th. <laughs> All right, but we don't know what we're talking about. No. I never know what I'm talking about. I'm not answering that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>